Metaphysics is going to have to be the quote-unquote religion of tomorrow. If it isn't, you're fucked. Totally and absolutely. Colin, how's the week been? Tell me something. Listen, it's wonderful, but let's let's remind the people before we begin that this is the greatest think tank ever assembled. And let us not forget, we were the ones that revealed the translucent Babylonian Nosferatu secret that global warming is a scam to ensure that the planet never becomes the climate of Africa. Facts. Absolute facts. That is under, I'm not even putting allegedly on that one. It's not allegedly. Nature is crying out. It's saying Canada needs to be the same climate of Africa. Food will just grow on its own. And yep. the cows are farting. And the, the plants are just spitting out carbon dioxide. They're doing everything they can to heat this bitch up. And the Babylonian translucent Nosferatu have convinced you that the worst thing that you could do is make the planet hotter when the reality is we've got a much better chance of surviving a hotter planet than we do going through a colder planet. Because a couple degrees colder, we're in an ice age and you can't grow shit. couple degrees hotter, Canada becomes Africa. We're all growing oranges everywhere on the planet. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. Well, one of these options definitely sounds better than the other. I yeah, dig we- it. Right, they, so, they've been lying to us for too long. They've been pulling the wool over our eyes. We know what the planet needs. It needs to. It needs to get a little fever. It needs to shake the the Yakubi and Omicron off it, and, and then everything will get back to normal. You know, a, a planet where Canada is the same temperature as Africa. You know what that is? That's a planet that doesn't even indulge Omicron for a moment. Right. I the ideal that. planet is the planet where it's just viruses can't live. Right. It's it's too hot in this bitch. They can't, and they all retreat back to Antarctica, and then all the diseases are just frozen in the polar ice caps. <laughs> I bet you didn't know that. That's where all the diseases originally went. In the times past, when there was a glorious prehistory, and everybody got along, and there was no racism or or sexism, homophobiaism, Islamism. There was no isms, like the great Jesse Lee says. There was no isms. And all of the diseases were frozen in the ice caps. That's what they were for. There was ice caps where all the diseases were frozen, and then the rest of the planet was Africa. <laughs> and shit was just growing. Horticulture, garden eating, not planting any seeds, the perfect equilibrium between the sun, the water, and the earth. And when it was all in balance, nobody had to plant shit. There was just shit just growing. You couldn't stop it from growing. What are we going to do to eat all these fucking bananas and oranges? I don't know, but let's get to work. Let's mm. get to work eating them. And they never ran out of food. And nobody had to fight over resources. And it was perfect. And then people started fucking around with the chemistry. And right. then you can latch on to whatever myth you'd like that gets us to where we are now. That's fine. We don't judge. Whatever, whatever myth you choose to believe that got us here. But once upon a time, it wasn't like this. The planet was African heat. And it was all the temperate zone and all the diseases, all 999,000 diseases were frozen in the polar ice caps. You heard it here first. We're giving mm-hmm. you the secrets. I blame I blame white Jesus. I blame white Jesus for putting two twin babies in the mother's belly that was destined to hate each other forever. I blame him. Yeah. It's all his fault. It seems like you're kind of just setting us up for conflict. <laughs> it seems like it. Like, well, who says that these babies have to hate each other? I do. 
they go hate each other forever because that's the way I want it. So deal with it. Okay, but <laughs> seems like there could be a, a better way to organize things just as a foundational principle. No, nope. I need hateful twins in that woman's belly right now. Make it happen. <laughs> yeah, this is what we have now. Now we're here. But you know what? It's all good because it's beautiful. Like you said, this is the greatest think tank ever assembled. And so far, I'm pretty positive that we have solved about 74% of the world's problems. And oh, yeah. we've only been doing this for a couple of years. So 70%. And if you don't believe us, comb through past episodes and find venture capitalists to invest in it. And 74% of the world's problems are solved. Basically and that's overnight. Basically. Basically overnight. I mean, a lot of this shit ends tomorrow. <laughs> like, I feel like just Dante's correctional facility alone changes the entire consciousness of the human oh, yeah. population. Just the, right. Everything changes from there on out. Recidivism goes to zero. Crime rate <laughs> drops to zero. Right. Right. You don't want to go there, buddy. You want to go. You want to go to some place that you think they're gonna make a TV show about on HBO, and you can be that one cool guy that wears his hat to the side and shit like that. That's not what this is. This is not Oz. That's not what this is at all. This is the worst thing that you could ever subject yourself to. Not that people could subject you to, but you have to dig yourself deeper into the system. And I think that's that's a perfect way to do it. Everything we have right now concerning that thing is stupid. It's ridiculous. It's set up for failures, and it's it is designed to teach uh, minor criminals how to become killer crocs. And and I got an addendum to it too. For your first offense, you're always going to level one, aka conjugal visit, conjugal visit level. Yeah. Right with the subsidized bunny ranch next door. But if you get out. You can't just play the system. Oh, what the fuck? We're going to go ahead and hit this lick, as they say. Right. And then I'm going right back to level one. Right. No, nope. you recidivized. Yo, yeah. Depending on the severity, you might get to level two. You might get all the way down to level eight, depending yeah. on how bad it is. That'll so we're be not the, playing that game. That'll be the caveat in, the, in, the, in our... Uh, in our mission statement, it'll just be defined by a symbol. It's like R equals two plus. There you go. Recidivism equals two plus levels down automatically. So if you get in, you go out there and get in more in some more trouble if you want to, and see what happens when you get. You know who's waiting for you. You know, yeah. you know King Walrus is waiting for you on the bottom floor. And it's almost get. It's like a slippery slope, bro. Once you get to the third level or something like that, it's almost impossible to get back. Listen, just to defend yourself on level three is going to cause you to get to level four. <laughs> right. And, and, and listen, armed robbery is a plus plus four. Oh, good Lord. You know, rape, you're getting a plus six. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Murder is oh. plus eight. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So you know what your recidivism number is. Yeah. Like you, as soon as you get out, you get in some trouble. It's just automatic. We got the stamps here for you. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're hey. Ready. And, That's fair. and if you think level nine isn't going to be a problem, go on YouTube, Google Walrus Rapes a Penguin. <laughs> Just Google Walrus Rapes a Penguin. You heard it right. In a species, the walrus didn't care. And just watch all the, the other penguins. Just They're just watching on. They're just bystanders <laughs> looking on helplessly as the walrus takes that penguin's manhood. And nobody can do shit about it. That's level nine. That's the that's the ninth <laughs> gate of Dante's Inferno. You don't want to get there. Get your level one, 
Get your bunny ranch on. Remember how good it was to have access to pussy and be ye reformed and stick stick it out. Because as soon as you're on level two, you're just watching it on closed circuit TV. You're watching what's going on on level one. And you got to work your way. You got to work your fucking ass off to get back up there. You don't want to be on level eight trying to get your way to the bunny ranch on level one. You oh, don't no. want that. Nope, it's not going to happen. Predicament. Because everybody else on level eight, they may not give a fuck. And they don't give a fuck that you trying to reform and get back on level one. It's a bad situation. Yeah. And let me just save you some mental gymnastics right now if you're listening. Uh, you're not the walrus. You won't be the walrus. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to go in there and overthrow the champ. You know, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You're the penguin every time. So just <laughs> every time you're the penguin. You're not built for this. You're not built for this. Because this, this guy's been here since we opened the place. We collected the worst from all the other prisons to clean them out, to do them a favor. We basically built Australia on level nine. Yeah. I mean, they're not even going down there to clean. They're just throwing down raw meat down a chute, <laughs> a laundry chute, every three days. Yeah, MREs. Send That's it all down rations. They're not doing. They're, they're not doing anything else. Oh, what did we say? We said graham crackers, right? That sounded. That sounded real good. I think if we if we get some company to make like a uh, super nutrient dense graham cracker, it's got everything you need for a day. I think that we would be fair in throwing graham crackers down the chute. Listen, and there's no maintenance. Nope. There's there's a bucket where you shit and piss. And there's a depository where you stick it in. It goes to a furnace. It heats that up, and that's what's used to fuel the power on level nine. <laughs> there's no plumbing. Oh. Nope. There's yeah. water bottles. Because it's going to be a problem. Cream crackers every, every three days. It's going to be a big problem. Could you imagine you put the plumbing down there, you try to make it so they can take showers, and all they're going to do is rip some shit down and beat each other with it. So it's like, you know what? It's just a concrete box with a graham cracker chute. Yep, and That's alcohol it. pads for cleanliness. <laughs> right, right. We'll drop wet wipes in once a week, you know, just to you try to oh, keep it a little I got bit a sanitary. Idea. Sprinkler system with little cracks on the floor so it all drains out. Mm. And once a day for fifteen minutes, the sprinklers go off. And if they if they can stop murdering and raping each other for long enough, you can get yourself quite the nice shower. Wow. Yeah, we could just get that thirsty concrete, the porous concrete that you could pour like hundreds of gallons of water on and it just filters right through it. Yeah, so that way we don't even have to have slots in the floor because if we're trying to bust through it to get to the vents or whatever, we're just going to have the porous concrete and, uh, yeah, and a sprinkler system. That's fair. 15 minutes a day for you to take care of whatever hygiene needs you. I think that's more than fair if you've earned your way to level nine. That's that, you know. That's actually going above and beyond what's required to keep you alive at this level. Shit in the bucket, throw it in the depository, it goes to the furnace, it burns it up, electricity, voila. And to the people that want to go ahead and, hey, I'm going to throw shit because, you know, I'm just a cool-ass prisoner like that, that I just throw shit all around, that's cool because there's no COs to throw it at on level nine. So your inmates will handle you. Yep. If you're a shit thrower, you don't want to fuel up. We don't have lights because you want to throw your shit around like a chimpanzee. No problem. You know, to quote the the not so great Adolf Hitler, I got to take them off of here. <laughs> and somebody's going to take you off of here. And that's how level nine works. 
That's that's Hitler's official threat in the glossary. <laughs> I gotta I gotta take him off of here. The fucking <laughs> wrongly right. attributed. <laughs> That's the worst thing ever. I don't know why it's so funny. Every time I hear it, <laughs> every time, it's like the first time. It never stops being funny. Because I don't think that guy was joking. I think it's the authenticity of that statement. I'm pretty sure. If I, we could track down the people who made that movie, I would almost guarantee that that wasn't in the lines. That's just what came out where he was talking about what he needs to do to his enemy. I, gotta I guarantee off here, there bro. was no script for that movie. <laughs> at all. Like, at all. There was <laughs> that shit was made on the fly. Like, okay, this is the part of the movie where this happens. Go, right. <laughs> give it. If it, if you ain't smoking, it ain't your motherfucking message. It, it's just too much. It's too much classic shit in there, and it's been used in hip hop before. But it's it's still like when I was growing up, the experience with it was it wasn't a super popular movie like you had to get through a lot of other really popular shit to drill your way down to miseducation of Sonny Carson but uh it's it's just too iconic once you've seen it you can't get it out of your head that shit's amazing but yeah Dante's Correctional Facility uh, any if anybody was to see the world of criminal justice change overnight now that might trickle down to less cops on the street because you know the jobs are just drying up. Like it, it could affect society in a way that you know you don't intend something that people want to protect. You know that's one of those things. If, if they're like, yeah, but if we give all these people clean water, that means me and my friends won't be able to drive our boats on the pier. Like if it if it trickles down to something that inconveniences people, that they're, they're very likely to just slide that shit off the table, and it don't take much. So. I don't know how that would affect society other than the crime rate plummeting. Plummeting. You mix that with the police draft, racial reparative therapy and racial mania, and violence island for the those that are just beyond the reach of the reforms that Dante's Inferno offers. You have a just, righteous society. You have You have the right measures in place to ensure the right people are taken off the street and you have a, a thorough redemption process in place to ensure that the right people make it back up to the sunlight and never come back. And right. you incentivize participation in righteousness every step of the way. And you make it marketable and profitable. When else have you been able to solve crime and turn a profit since, since, um, since privatized prisons. And we mm. haven't solved crime with privatized prisons, oh, but no. we've bolstered our 401ks and retirements. But we haven't solved it. This is something that's going to make money, incentivize participation. You don't like the way things are going on in your neighborhood? Cool. Police draft. You're drafted. You don't want to go <laughs> level one. Level one of Dante's Inferno. It's mandatory. You're a citizen oh. of that neighborhood. You're, you got to If you get police drafted, you're a police officer. You're a police officer. <laughs> and then it matters. Then it matters that people aren't doing the right shit. And then it, then it matters. Then it matters because now your life's on the line. It, 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 it incentivizes the right behaviors. Damn. Every step of the way. So if, I just want to remind you because sometimes I think you forget how genius some of this shit has been. And, <laughs> you know, and I just I want to remind everyone, just want to yeah. remind you that we've come up with some of the greatest solutions, practical solutions to and, and and it all because it stems from metaphysics or we're fucked. This is the kind of genius forward thinking that comes when you surrender yourself to that program and you get away from all the ideologues 
you get away from the tribalism and you just think about in terms of what will work to save the most people to to do the least amount of harm to get good to as many people as possible when you just apply that model i i would say you could put pretty much any problem on the face of the earth in front of that if you if you put it in front of that philosophy I don't think there's anything. If we haven't solved the problem, it's because we just haven't had it placed in front of us for us to tackle it. <laughs> I'm absolutely sure <laughs> that given at least an hour or two to talk it out, we could come up with a pragmatic solution. Yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely yeah. certain. Yeah. After meandering through some absurdity, we'll just arrive upon a sword and a stone. It was just sitting there waiting for us to arrive to it. And the path through absurdity that we took was the only one that you can take to this particular sword and this particular stone. And they've all been, I mean, I'm just sitting here as you were talking, realizing like, yeah, the police drafts was like, oh yeah, that was hilarious. But then it's like, you you think about it again. It's like, actually, no, yeah, it is hilarious, but this would either have to solve the problem or prove something completely different about your community. There's no, there's no other two ways about it. That would be another one that's completely solved almost overnight almost overnight if you send out 200 like in some city you send out 200 police drafts all on the same day oh my god i'm pretty sure your city politics changes immediately immediately overnight tomorrow there's a different police force there's a different idea in the community about who the cops are if you start arguing like nah i don't want to do this like you said you go straight to level one but why don't you want to be responsible for helping police your own community right that makes more sense than drafting to the military, to me. Absolutely. <laughs> That's a better idea than drafting to the military. Drafting in the military was always fucking stupid. Right. It. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't think. And this is going to be blasphemous. I've heard the argument that we shouldn't have gotten involved in World War II, and you know what? I. I. I mean, maybe hindsight's twenty twenty, but I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I can, I mean, it sucks to say it because you know what's going on and you got all the information. Well, you think you have all the information, but it does. It does suck to say something like we that. We didn't run out to save the Tootsies. Uh-oh, that's all I'm please. saying. That, and that's what I was about. That's the point that I was about to make. There are so many things that we choose to not be involved in and so many other things that we choose to be involved in that just so happen to create some type of strategic advantage or some relate. It's just, it's too much. It's too much to even start thumbing through the pages of it. It's garbage, it's corrupt, and we all know it, but this is how we roll. They laugh about it now, you know? You find out a country's got some oil, we need to go liberate them. Operation Liberation. I think those people over there need uh, democratic elections. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think they need. And you know who I like in this democratic election is this guy that we just found. I think y'all should vote for him. Who wants to open up free trade with us? Right. And by free trade, I mean we're going to build a military installation on your land that you can't cross into or we'll shoot you on site. And we're going to give you a huge loan for your infrastructure. For, yeah, that you didn't ask for, but right. you must pay back. You got to pay it back. Listen, you know who doesn't need free and fair democratic elections? Countries with no natural resources. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you motherfuckers can get despots. Yeah, you don't it's deserve democracy unless you got some bargaining chips. That's a coincidence. I mean, I know correlation doesn't equal causation. Trust me. 
So yeah, it, it could right. be just a coincidence. I don't know. But I'm starting to see a pattern. If you got some oil, if you got some cobalt, if if you if you if you got some copper, you know, maybe yeah. we're coming. Maybe. If we're you coming. just got fucking llamas and mangoes, I don't know. You can you can have despots. Yeah, you can chill. But it, yeah, you got anything that we can flip and make some decent money off or, or turn it into drugs, perhaps? <laughs> you know what would be awesome for your country is if we built a 60-acre compound to fly our jets and drive our Jeeps in. That'd be super cool. And, and fly our flags at the corners of it. Wouldn't that be dope for your country? Yeah, and you're not going to be able to sell all these poppy seeds on your own. <laughs> what poppy seeds? The ones we planted. <laughs> you know how you know how bomb ass the opium is when it grows here. You got the perfect climate. You know we've been keeping the planet artificially cool, so I mean, we would have a lot more of this kind of land available to grow bomb ass poppy. But you understand, there's an agenda in place. So you're you're the temperate zone right now for what we need. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so just if just a, I I don't you know I don't want to stroke our own cock. You know I don't want to I don't want to I mean, be too masturbatory right now. But, you know, give credit where credit is due. Please. Give credit where credit is due. So I, I'm just, uh, I'm engaged in a little bit of, you know, back pattery, but I, I feel like it's okay. It's not an everyday occurrence. But No, it's deserved. It's, I have to say it's deserved just because the two things that you just flew off the top of your head, just upon letting your brain gloss over it again, it's like, actually, uh, yeah. That, that's it. That solves it. See, you were, you're right. It, it kind of sinks down. It settles into the sediment of your own consciousness, right? And you're like, oh, I remember that idea. I remember that. And it becomes just a title, something you mentioned. It was funny. But yeah, there's some serious real world application to some of this shit. That, and it sounds terrible. A lot of it at the outset, it sounds absolutely horrible. I'm sure police draft sounds like Oh my God, that's almost like a, a chapter of the Mad Max movie or something like that. That could be a TV show on Netflix. That's like the Purge. That's in the Purge universe, police draft. That sounds scary, but once you get down into it, not only does it solve a problem, it threatens a corrupt structure. And the same thing with the with the prison. Oh, Dante's correctional facility. That sounds horrible. Actually, no, let's listen to it for a second. Why do we have people who didn't pay child support sharing a room with a serial rapist? Right. This doesn't make any sense for anybody. So yeah, we'll figure out a way to separate these guys. Oh, and for vi- like Violence Island, I like if you survive, since there's going to be no clocks and no real daylight at level nine, that time just has to pass in epochs. And that's just whatever amount of days or weeks that we assign to the epoch. But if you survive there through enough time, you get transported out to Violence Island. Mm. That's what happens. So once you're at level nine, it's either we think you're going to get killed, you know, either bludgeoned or raped to death. Right. But if you have any kind of redemptive qualities, okay, you get a shot out. You get a shot at living out the rest of your days and 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 carving out a meager existence on your plot of land in Violence Island. Well, I think the people that we we are taking out are going to be the top of the food chain. Because mm-hmm. if you survive yeah. down there for five epochs, you didn't survive it by making people's beds and telling jokes. 
you catching bodies. Be like that's the only thing that happens down there. So it, we don't need a champion arising. We don't need Thanos being born out there. So if you stay down there for too long, we just get you out, and that creates a vacuum that mixes everything up, keeps them confused, and try to figure out who the new <laughs> boss is. And that take you know, and if somebody arises through those ranks and they happen to survive for too long, you know, before he builds himself a real psycho empire down there, we just gas everybody, and when they wake up, he's gone. And he's he's getting dropped off. He's the new attendee of Violence Island. He gets a big intro like WCW. We drop him off from a helicopter in a little cage and shit <laughs> with the smoke. And then the, all the people who are watching it, they start taking bets on how long he's going to survive, who he's going to have beef with. He'd be like Survivor, you know, but with real killers. Yeah, I think that's how how we uh, we keep everything mixed up down there. If you survive too long, you start to become too powerful. We got to get you out, send you to Violence Island. Mm. Okay, when you're the walrus for too long, right? That's right. the mechanism in place to mix yep. things up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. you, now you're just having fun. Now you're just having fun. It's, it, you know, nobody's coming in to get you off your throne. You're doing way too much penguin killing. All right, let's let's get him out of here. Yeah, this, I like, like, I like you know what? And this may be, this may be one of the first instances where we've connected two of our intellectual properties. And you know what? I like it. I like it. The transition from the ninth gate to Violence Island, it makes sense. Yeah. So what are the so? But there's got there are some offenses that get you right on Violence Island. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. If if, if we find penises and clitorises in your freezer, right, and torsos, right, you go right to Violence Island, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. And it doesn't even have to be super b- bloody violent. I mean, they definitely go. But also, I mean, there's some activities that priests have been engaged in that would get you sent to Violence Island. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, and that's just your fault for go- like you go there. You're like, wait, I don't belong on Violence Island. It's like actually, according to your crime, this is where you go straight away, no questions asked. So, uh... deal with it. Deal with it. It's not my fault. You're not tough enough to to make it. On hey, you're just gonna be you know somebody's ottoman. For a little while, that's just, that's your problem. Yeah, so things yeah. like that. Jail you know, is for you know domestic abusers. Like, yeah, that's fucked up. But you're not going to go to Violence Island for that. You know what I'm saying? Let me let me tell you. What we need to do is we need to partner with Russia. They're trying to invade Crimea, you know, um, or Ukraine, right? They're trying to invade Ukraine now. China is trying to invade Taiwan. We could probably get some soldiers of fortune out of these groups <laughs> to invade the Vatican. Go oh, get us those records. Invade the Vatican. Invade the Vatican, B. <laughs> oh, we need to invade God. the Vatican. Wow. I wonder if the episode will get taken down if I make that the title. It's going to sound like a call to action. I got to figure out a way to word it. Merck, <laughs> pose it as a question. Right, Why right. don't we invade the Vatican? Question right, mark. Just invade the Vatican with a question mark. That's it. Yeah, just uh, invade the Vatican? Like, why would you do that? I don't know. I don't know. It sounds weird, but okay. Look, I understand Ukraine's got a lot of farmland. I understand Taiwan's got all the chips that we use for all of our electronics. But for the sake of righteousness, could one of you country invading motherfuckers just go ahead? There's a couple of Swiss guards. You could probably move them out with rubber bullets. You probably don't even need a body count. I think they have some, like, MP5s or something. You could get them the fuck out of there, get in there, get all the records, and you know what? Get them to WikiLeaks. Mm. Let's get all the priest names. Let's get Dante's Inferno and Violence Island filled up. 
Wow. Yeah, I like that. In I honor like of that. Sinead O'Connor. I like that. That needs to be brought into the consciousness of the people. I'm going to make that a hashtag. I'm just going to start adding it to tweets that don't have nothing to do with the Vatican. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> I would just post, post a picture of some flowers in my front yard. Hashtag invade the Vatican. I'm just going to introduce that into the algorithm. Question like, mark? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's my job now. That's my job now. You, it's going in YouTube comments. Just wherever I can invade the Vatican. Got making a T-shirt. That's go. amazing. That's a great. That's just something good that people should have to process if not only for a few seconds you should have to scroll past like you should have to go to starbucks or something like that and when you go use the bathroom there's a sticker on the stall that says invade the vatican like you should just have to deal with that at some point in your yeah. life just to see how you feel about it is it something that you're even against like what? <laughs> we invaded iraq and never found any weapons of mass destruction right right we know there's records of hidden rapists in the Vatican. Right. They got them. Let's go get them. They're not sharing. They're not responding to any subpoenas. They're like, listen, we're our own nation. Fuck off. You can't have it. Cool. Do you have an army? We got right. an army. You don't right. have a standing army. You got the Swiss Guard. Okay. Let's right. put your Swiss Guard in street fighter mode against this standing army. And let's see who gets the records. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see if you could deal with SEAL Team 6. You know what? These these uh these black rifle coffee guys is slipping. They're dropping the ball. <laughs> They're dropping if the ball. You, if you were really making murdered out coffee, you would have already had the records from Vatican. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe you. I don't yeah. believe you. Oh. The only thing you want to do is chase like Antifa guys with blue hair who call themselves she. That that's your biggest problem. Why are you not invading the Vatican, B? Yeah. Great question. <laughs> I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Yeah, dude. Oh yeah. That's my that's my new standard. You haven't invaded the Vatican. <laughs> so there's two kinds of people in the world. People that are willing to invade the Vatican and people that want to stand in the way. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that, that should draw a line in the sand for humanity right there. That's the only question you need to know. I don't need to know who you vote for, what political party you belong to. Nope. I don't need to know if you believe in gay marriage. I don't need to know about none of that. Do, are, are you, you for? Are invade the Vatican? Are you, for, like, you say invade the Vatican for or against. That's all I need to know. That tells me everything I need to know about you. And if you take too long to think about it, I'm going to take that as a no. Yeah, I'm going to take it as you probably have a child locked in your basement <laughs> as we speak. Exactly. If you got to think about it, like, fuck, if they're invading the Vatican, maybe I'm next. <laughs> it should be a no-brainer. Yeah. Not wanting to invade the Vatican is a red flag. Right. <laughs> Who are you protecting? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, wow. You got there's no bigger fish to fry at this point. <laughs> How could there be a bigger fish? Yeah, they're just they're, they're domestic terrorists. And 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 Catholic churches are technically they're like, you know, the spores of the Vatican. They're like the, you know, they're almost connected to it. Just like you gotta cut the arms off the octopus before you well, I'm not saying that you should that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you should be, you know invading Catholic churches to get the hierarchy of information that's going to lead you I to... Kinda am. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of am. I think you should take some hostages and demand that they release the record. If ever there was a reason, there was sit-ins, there was, uh, you know, my wife is sleeping around, I'm going to take people hostage. 
people have taken hostages for less. Oh, yeah. Pe- people have had less than righteous demands. Get people out of the West Bank. I'm going to take over this airplane. You know, it's it's an act of terrorism, undeniably. Mm-hmm. Um, but so was invading the Capitol. Um, so was setting a courthouse on fire. Um, have a fiery but mostly peaceful protest at the Vatican and just say, look, nobody move, nobody get hurt. If I get those records from the Vatican, everybody can go free. And then put the onus on them. Mm. Do you want to have your parishioner paint the fucking Sistine Chapel with his brains on the back of the wall? <laughs> or are you going to turn over the records of the kid fuckers? And if not, if you're going to like, look, Sanchez got to go. Fuck him. Mm. If, if you're going to hold on to the child rape catalog and not release the names because you you just you're that determined, even if it causes people to get killed. I'm still not giving up the kid fuckers. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it tells everybody everything that they need to know. And just to be clear, I know there's I know there's good Catholic people. Don't get me wrong. There's people that don't beat their wives, that don't sodomize children, that are nice, loving, righteous. They don't lie, they don't steal. You know, they're they're moral citizens, and the Catholic Church just happens to be the milieu in which they forge their their sense of uh ethics and you know culturally they have an affinity towards it they they don't they can't see themselves being outside of that context and that's just where they're comfortable i get it i'm not i'm not bashing you i'm not saying you're a bad person but your leadership is undeniably corrupt and if if there's a few hostages that need to be taken in order for the records to be released so that the criminals can be brought to justice I obviously wouldn't advocate for that because that would be illegal. But as a bystander observing it happening, I wouldn't be completely upset by it. So if if there's any good left in you, you turn your head. If, If you're one of those people, you consider yourself one of the good ones, the best of you will turn your head and allow us to do what we need to do to improve the planet. So we're not asking you to go get them and bring them out. And like, no, you just stay inside your house. You close your blinds like you've probably done a lot of other times when you saw things that that didn't align with your, you know, spiritual view on things. You just close your blinds. Let it happen. Don't get in the way. This is all this is hypothetically. If that was to happen, that's what I suggest you do is just let it happen. Let it happen. I'm not saying that people should do it. But it seems like an interesting idea for a TV show or something like that, or maybe a yeah. graphic novel. You know, we're, we're never advocating for violence. No, but no. we have observed, as being conscious beings paying attention on planet Earth, that sometimes violence is employed, and it's always justified by the people who are conducting the violence. So it's not like we're looking around and everybody on the planet has agreed. Oh no, no, no! Violence is off the table. We're just going to discuss this out. You know, if the world was there, okay, the world is clearly not there. So as long as violence seems to be not, it's not something we're advocating for, but we recognize the rest of the planet is not ready to go where we're already at. So since you're employing violence selectively as you see fit, I'm just saying as long as you're employing violence on occasion, if violence is an option, and it, yeah. and it seems to be okay in a lot of situations, there seems to be a lot of cover and justification for it. If, if humanity is going to insist on violence being an appropriate response ever, 
then I'm just saying there's probably more righteous ways to do it. Yeah. And taking a few priests hostage and, and, and demanding the Vatican release some rape logs, I mean, it, it seems like if ever there was a righteous cause to, to implement violence, it would be for that, to give closure and to enact justice on behalf of innocent children who never got their day in court, who never saw their predators brought to justice, and for people who are, you know, probably 80 years old. Like, I mean, how much more time do you got left anyway? I mean, it, it would seem like it ate, like 80-year-old Nazis or 90-year-old Nazis, 80-year-old priest pedophiles, it would seem like that would be your last act. Like, you got 80 years. You got away with, like, 40, 50, 60 years of not being in trouble, right? It would seem like your last redemptive act would be like, all right, all right. I put some people in ovens. All right, all right. Right. I did it kids. I'm turning myself in. I'm going to face up to it. How much longer do you got? Right. You're 80, 90 years old. Just so, I mean, who, who are we even, who are we even protected at this point? Well, some of them are just walking around with fancy burgundy robes with gold trim. Some of them are walking around doing that type of shit. They live in opulent. They got a little stick, a little, a little scepter and shit with incense in it. They chilling. It's a cool ass scepter. Let's just be honest. <laughs> oh, I definitely want something similar that I could burn some ganja in and just have some freaking herb smoke, smoke filling up the room while I'm hanging out. I mean, I, I'm definitely gonna take some, uh, some regalia points from wherever shit is looking smooth at. As you should. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you listen, don't, you don't and get to own that. <laughs> there's definitely there's got to be a miter. There's got to be a cape, and there's got to be some sort of staff that burns ganja. Yeah, that's that's oh, yeah. the uniform um, when the bongos play. Yeah, Got <laughs> I'm down. Yeah, this is this is this is too good. So yeah, this was a little bit of a a back pattern, but sometimes you gotta you gotta put these things in perspective. There's a lot of uh, amazing shit waiting to be funded by billionaires who got nothing else better to do but to see if they can uh, you know bring some real solutions into the world. Shit that's gonna change things forever. We we here. The episodes are there for you to comb through. You know, go pick it out, figure out what you want to throw some money at, and uh, check the uh, sweetcoart.crypto and send us yeah, some fucking... buy some NFTs. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. we can never be accused of being grifters. We've been honest from the very beginning. From the very beginning, we've told you, listen, you won't respond unless we put it in some mythology and we make a cult. We would love to just be able to reason with people to give rational, rational arguments as to why we should go in this direction. But we've just conceded that humans simply do not operate that way. You need a miter. You need a staff that burns ganja. You need all of the pageantry associated with religions, which are all essentially cults. No one's ever been able to give me a real definition of uh, what the difference between a religion and a cult is. It just seems like a religion is something that benefits the state. A cult is something that undermines it. You know, if there's institutional power behind it, it becomes a religion. If it doesn't serve the needs of the institution, it's ostracized and marginalized as a cult. But it's all essentially the same shit. And we've just been honest. Hey, we want to do good in the world. We want to see humanity evolve. We know that we're capable of doing much better. We know that we're completely missing the mark right now. And the only way we can seem to amass public support and get the ball rolling in the right direction 
is to give people the mythology and pageantry we want or that they want. And we're willing mm. to accommodate you. Absolutely. We're not such assholes that we're saying, nope, for the sake of our integrity and, and, and our, our artistic independence, we we're not going to simply conform to what the demands of the masses are. No, no, no. We're saying, Hey, if that's what it is, that's what it is. We'll give you a mythology. We'll give you a miter and a cape and a staff that burns weed, and we'll give you whatever you want to say, okay, that guy's authentic. That guy's official. His hat wouldn't be that tall if he wasn't serious. Exactly. So, so we'll hand him our crypto. Okay, fine. But that's not grifting. That's saying, hey, we know what it is. We're not going to be dishonest. We want to make a positive impact in the world. We understand that a lot of people out there want to do the exact same thing, and they don't know where to start in order to fight against the aspect future that awaits us if we don't turn this thing around. So we planted our flag. We planted our flag and said, hey, th this is the philosophy and these are the things that are gonna make it right. And just to add to the logic and the theory, we added a motherfucker. We That's added right. it so we that you would to. hear us. We had and to. And it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. This is one that we talked about in clothed cognition before. That's real science. Real science tells you when people dress a certain way, they embody certain characteristics and mindsets that are easier to maintain from being dressed a certain way. And not to mention how the other, how the outside world starts to perceive you when you dress a certain way. You could totally commit crimes if you uh, if you put a suit on and just act confident like you're supposed to be there. You can you can get get away with all kind of shit. Just like especially if you got a partner that's willing to sag his pants and put a uh, a handkerchief on his head because <laughs> he'll draw all the attention because you think that's the guy who's going to be up to something and the guy in the suit with the briefcase with the false bottom he's cleaning you out and it's enclosed cognition that's just people are entranced by certain outfits and uniforms and shit like that so you know like you said if it's a tall hat and sunglasses with three lenses instead of two shit like that we can get busy let's get busy listen to all the dope boys, here's some game for free, okay? Cut your dreads, move the weight while you're wearing scrubs. You can go to any uh, medical, they sell scrubs at stores, buy some scrubs, get a badge, go work in the lunchroom for like a week so you get the badge and just keep it. You're, I'm on my way to work, officer. Or wear a suit and tie every time. Every time. You know the amount of times you'd be able to avoid getting pulled over if you just agree to when you're doing dirt to just look the part of someone that's not doing it, listen, it's very helpful. I'm 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 speaking to you from a, 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 a statute of limitations from a <laughs> point of 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 experience. I'm telling you, just drive around, look the right way, you'll be fine. We're giving you the pearls because we care, because right. we care. And after you've destroyed the community ever so slightly. Um, with your version of capitalism, take the money and do something positive. I would suggest uh, Drug Dealer. Listen to Drug Dealer by uh, Boogie Down Productions. I think it was on Edutainment, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Okay. I could be wrong, but it's a very inspirational song. If you're gonna if you're gonna get your money in an ugly way, eh, there's a lot of precedent for it in history. But do something positive with it once you get it. And make up, make up for the destruction that you wrought on the way there. These are mm. tips. These are metaphysical tips. Listen, it's all here. Everything you need is all there. We laid it out for you. That would, and and Deb Prez would be proud 
of, yes, of, of teaching people how to evade how to evade law enforcement while still committing criminal activity. They'd be proud. They'd be proud. It's in the spirit of January 6th. Let's do this shit right. Oh, no, no, no. And just to be sure, and, I, and I'm fine with opening myself to all kinds of litigation. <laughs> uh, Dead Prez, Let's Get Free is the official yeah. soundtrack of January 6th. Prove yeah. me wrong. Yeah. Change my mind. Prove me wrong. It's every track on there fully articulates the sentiment of January 6th. The government is corrupt. The government engages in propaganda. It doesn't give a fuck about you. The only way for there to be resolution is through revolution. And you need to run up on Capitol Hill and get into some real shit. <laughs> dead press. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's not our words. Listen, that's dead press's words. Cameras in the street lights spying on me. Hmm? Listen, they gave you the game. You you might not have wanted to accept it in the package that it came to you in, but you might want to rethink your position and start getting into some dead press. They might have some uh they might have some real pointers for you. Babe, what did you just give me? Honey, that shit tastes strong, though. What are you giving me? Uh-oh. My wife brought me a libation that is extraordinarily potent. Uh-oh. She tried to hide it in some orange juice. If I don't make it with you to the end of this broadcast, hey. I know you can handle it. Well, look, you just give me a heads up. You let <laughs> you let me know, and uh, and I you can definitely because listen, I got some uh, some really nice herb oil here that I've been uh, paying some attention to this afternoon. I think I'm about to start a microdosing regiment soon, and uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I completely understand. You got to get those moments wherever you can get them and enjoy them to the fullest potential. I think my wife put paint thinner with some orange. <laughs> Is what I'm drinking right now. Holy shit. What you got some 151 in there or something? I dude, it is I taste the orange juice and then it's just straight burning. I don't know what she gave me. I asked her for a beer. I'm like, honey, can you bring me a beer? You know, I wanted to go light. And she said, No, bitch, I need you white girl wasted. Yeah. And she brought me turpentine and some orange juice. Yeah. She said she took acid beer. the other weekend. Oh shit. He tried to get me to take it. I wouldn't do it. I'm not going to lie. I bitched up. I didn't do it. Mm. I didn't do it with her. I didn't think it was a good idea for both of us to do it. Um, She had some feelings of warmth. She had some feelings of oneness. She had some revelation. And you know what? I I do think we should be implementing this thing for for people's healing. I, Mm. I, I, I think in a controlled environment... Not on some let's just get fucked up, but on right. some hey, I'm gonna do this purposefully. I'm gonna be in a thoughtful place. I'm gonna. It forces you to engage in certain thoughts. It forces you to deal with things. And you know, I think it's a tragedy that we're not we're not doing this in a controlled, strategic, and um, safe way. Because right. my my whole thing is look. You might have sprayed my weed with some roach spray. That's not going to kill me. It's going to kill more brain cells than I thought you would, or, or what normally would have been killed. But it's not going to fuck me up too bad. Anything MDMA, acid, DMT, anything that somebody made and gave you, I, I, I just don't know. That's some yeah. hard shit for me to trust. 
You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I'm. I think uh, for the the best thing you can have in that situation is mushrooms. I think that's the best uh, psychedelic experience that you're gonna get. That's one is manageable because you can dose it pretty easy. Most LSD and like the pills, you don't know what's in a lot of that shit. You don't know what's the dose is gonna be. So mushrooms are easy to dose. So you know what type of experience you're gonna have. And also they're just wired for, in my opinion, they're just wired for a more introspective experience. Uh, LSD and everything else is awesome. You can have a great time. You can get really focused on it when you, if you've done it enough times to have that type of awareness. But it, to me, I feel like it leans a little bit more towards being a party drug. When you yeah. take LSD, you kind of want to party and want to the, the music. Everything's different with LSD. When you get on mushrooms, like people say, lay down in the grass, hug a tree. You just cry because the earth loves you kind of shit. Like that's straight up the kind of uh, experience that is geared towards having. And I don't know if it's, just, if it's our consciousness about it that feeds to it. You know, it's mushrooms, so we feel like it's more natural. And I don't know if it's that or if it's really just coded into the psilocybin experience to be more connected to nature and that whole thing. The one that's manageable, because you could also get that from, like, ayahuasca gives people the same vibe, but it's way stronger, and you're not really going to be microdosing ayahuasca. That's like you jump, you're jumping out the window with that one. <laughs> yeah, so you don't know what it's going to be. But yeah, mushrooms. That's that's the way to go. That's well, the way she's to go. allergic to mushrooms. She can't do mushrooms, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, like you said, LSD's next best thing. And you can get deep on that too. You can get totally introspective on it, especially once you get some experience with it. But they de- they should be working with more people. I know they're trying to, but they're dragging their feet. They're doing fucking ketamine therapy though. So, I mean, that's working out for people. I guess for people who respond well to that particular chemical and shit. But ketamine is, to me, that's it's just a you know illicit drug. That's the idea I get from it. Right. Because it's a horse tranquilizer that people use in small enough doses to make yourself get a little, you know, to get droopy. So somebody gave me some ketamine once and I I know exactly, I tasted enough of it, like tip of my pinky type shit. I tasted it like, what the hell? And just from that little taste, I felt like I was like falling down the elevator shaft real slow. Like that whole thing they talk about, the K-hole you get in. It felt like Get Out, like a scene from Get Out. You just feel this sinking tunnel vision vibe. It felt like you're going away. <laughs> it really feels like you're going away. So I was like, I'm glad I didn't just, because it was in a in a capsule. And I'm like, yeah, ketamine, you could, you could just take it almost like an aspirin or some shit like that. And I was like, I'm glad I didn't fucking just pop that thing. Because that would have been rough. Because just tasting it made me feel like, oh, okay. I don't think I want to bother this shit. But you can go yeah. get that. You can go get that. You can be like, look, I was a drug addict. I want to get off drugs and I'm depressed and shit. I want you to give me some ketamine. It's going to help me level out. They just go in there and shoot you up with that shit. I don't know if they do it intravenous or whatever, but that's just crazy that you can get ketamine, but not psilocybin or LSD or anything else. That's crazy. Yeah, th- things need to be reformed. I'm, I'm definitely a chet. I'm culturally black, and there's things that just feel dirty to me. Like, I feel like weed is okay, but cocaine is wrong. Yeah. Mushrooms are okay, 
but LSD and pills are wrong. Like, I, I definitely have a 1990s uh, crack is whack perspective on drug usage. So I, I'm fit, but but now everybody's doing pills. Everybody's doing some shit that could get them killed. Everybody's doing it recreationally and not as like a sacrament. And I don't know. I'm just weary of all of this shit. If I knew where it was coming from, I'm I might be willing to engage in some LSD. Um, it was interesting to observe her experience, you know, but there was definitely, because she is a kind and thoughtful person, you know, there was some introspection, you know, there was, there was like some deep diving into me, like, let me deep dive. Let me think about some shit. And I do think that if, if you were in an environment where it was controlled and people came into it, not with the. Not with this idea of I just want to get fucked up. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. deal with reality. Yeah, ceremony. Like, right. Ceremony That's the wrong works. perspective to approach it. But if you came at it with I want to I want to progress and grow as a human being. I have trauma. I have shit that I haven't dealt with. I have ways that I want to grow as a human being. I want to unravel what I am and put myself back together again for the better. Like, I think if you come at it that way and you see it as a responsibility and you see it as something that's purposeful, right? Yeah. I, I think I think the effects could be profound and effectual. And I think it all gets a bad name because it all gets lumped into the same category as drugs. It's all drugs. Right. And and I think, you know, we definitely overprescribe shit. We definitely give people pills in lieu of physical well-being. Like, hey, to lower your blood pressure, why don't you diet and exercise? Why are you taking a pill to do it for you? Mm. You know, so there's some things, yeah, where our knowledge about medicine can, you know, help us be healthier. But when it's in lieu of a healthy lifestyle, I think it's a bad idea. Right. When, it, when it's being used with a purpose to help us explore things and maybe heal, you know, I know MDMA, MDMA is being used a lot by... I think psychologists or psychiatrists, whoever can prescribe medicine now, and it's being used with like vets with PTSD and they're getting some good results. So I definitely think we're moving in the right direction of understanding of how we should be using drugs and when it can be purposeful and when it can be helpful. But, you know, I, I definitely think culturally we, we need to change our perspective on it. Like just getting like escapism, just getting fucked up is, isn't going to solve anything. But if if you're in a if you're in a position where it's like, hey, I want to understand myself better. I want to understand how to relate to the people around me better. I want to be the best person I can be. I'm going to take this substance with the purpose of engaging my mind, engaging my psyche, figuring out what makes me tick and 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 maybe unravel some of the things that I'm tangled up in that are hindering me from progressing. I, I definitely I've seen now at this point that it can be profoundly helpful. But I really yeah. was, I mean, there was a lot of neediness. Like, bring me water. I need water. I'm so thirsty. There was a lot of that. Yeah. And I didn't mind it too much. My fear was like, yo, is this bitch going to try to, like, get in the gun safe? Is she going to try to, like, run through the backyard naked? Like, how bad is this going to get? And it was really pretty mild. It was really pretty. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Dope. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. 
Yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's important. That's why when we set ours up, it's always you know even if we just intend to have fun, sometimes we don't really go in it with too much expectation. But we still set it up. You prepare for it for a couple of weeks. You know, you know it's going to be on the full moon, whatever new moon, the solstice. You pick those specific dates, and you and as you move towards those days, you know you prepare yourself mentally. You respect that shit. You set up your environment. Get your music ready. You get some of uh, some of those tapestries. Like you go to some places, like sometime a place like Five and Below, or even Walmart or some shit like that might have them. You these things that you just hang. They're like the size of a little bit bigger than beach towels, and they got like prints on them and shit that you can interact with while you're tripping and the first time i tripped the people who i linked up with they had a black light set up at this little table it was a black light and black light reactive paint and a bunch of sheets of paper and brushes and markers and all this kind of shit so while you're tripping you just wander over to this table and make some art i still have a piece of art that i made the first day i tripped it's hanging on my wall and it was just me playing with paint, just pushing the paint around like, oh, my God, it's so cool. It was goofy from now looking back at it. But from inside the experience, it was it was amazing. It was my first time having that type of having a psychedelic trip. And I was making art it, that was provided by the people. It was it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. And I still got it. So, yeah, the more you uh, integrate it into into your mechanism and it just gets better and better to me. Because you get more familiar with uh, the trip, you know, you know more of what to expect, and then you start to, I mean, not to, you know, lead anybody anywhere, but most times you start to build up higher doses. So you start off with the one, you know, or the two grabs, whatever, and then a couple more times you feel a little bit more confident. Let me go to three, three point five grams. Let me try four. Next thing you know, you're over the edge, five, five plus, and and you'll be ready for it by then. But again, that's why I like mushrooms so much is if you take a gram and a half of mushrooms or if you take two gram of mushrooms five different times throughout the course of the year, you're going to get pretty much, I mean, a very similar trip. Not much else is going to happen. You know exactly what to expect, even to the point where you'll be halfway through your trip and be like, I probably could have taken a little more. I had those thoughts a lot. You get into it and when it's ramping up, you're like, oh boy, I don't know how deep it's going to be. And then once you're past the very peak, you're like, oh yeah, I could have handled a little more. And then next time you do it, you know, move accordingly. But yeah, so you start getting you some tapestries, some dope lights, pick specific music. And yeah, dude, you can have some some awesome fucking experiences, man. How much healing would people get if they went into an environment where there was no aggression, it was love, it was peace? They took some mushrooms, or they took some LSD, and they got to sit alone in a room with a guitar or some paint. And these are people that maybe aren't um, traditionally artistic. Hey, get in tune with that that component of your person. Yeah, you know, we have all yeah. kinds of shit. We got a sandbox. When in right. sticks, you can draw in a sandbox. You can try any, like, you know, we got clay over here. You can just mush the clay around for a while. And then you can sit by the fire pit and talk if you want to. You know, you just got stations you can wander around to. And people that are, you know, the anchors or the spirit guides, the people who are not tripping as hard, you know what I mean? So they can sort of guide it. They can see when people might need to connect, when they might need to get pulled back into the situation or, or you help them protect the space they made. Or it's so many different ways to approach creating those environments and helping people through them. But it's almost always 
positive shit that comes from it, especially if you went to a place purposely to have a ceremony and not just like, oh, my freaking old roommate from college showed up with some mushrooms. We're going to go to the strip club. Like that's that's different. And I, and that's that's fair if that's what you want to do. That's awesome, too. But this is a different situation. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, dude, I'm sure. telling you, I remember. I mean, so I've had so many powerful experiences tripping, life-changing shit that, you know, I listened to this video of Alan Watts. I talked about it on the show. Listen to this Alan Watts talk, and he was explaining, uh, like, Hinduism and these different religions and the way he was breaking it down. The shit that he was saying was hitting home so much because he's talking about how it's designed to to identify with the issues that you're going to go through, the insecurities that you're going to have, like all of the shit that we think is only us. And this whole thing is built on this foundation of teaching you how to work your way through it. And I've listened to it after the trip, and it's still super powerful, and I remember why it hit me the way it did. But the night that I listened to it, the shit had me in tears. Yes, I was tripping, and I was, but I've also been tripping listening to comedians and you laugh and all of that shit. But this shit was so heavy; it was unbelievable, bro. You just just in tears listening to it, and you change, you just change things that you had gnawed on for a long time before or hadn't really been able to dig down to. You you accept them in a way, like the math is done for you; it's processed, and you trust the conclusion that you came to a lot more than you have if you would have just sat down and tried to intellectualize it to yourself. Things that you hide from yourself that you don't want to admit to yourself. You don't want to have that conversation. So you avoid it mentally. Even if you're daydreaming and you drift onto this subject, you just get off it because you don't want to deal with it. You can approach it from a totally different place from inside of a psychedelic experience. You just come at it from a different angle. You untie the knot and you walk away. And 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 then your biggest... And then your biggest issue after that is going to be like, damn, why did I let that bother me for so long? It's like, oh, now you're going to let that bother you now, right? It's like you untied the knot. Now you're going to stress about how long it take you, how long it took you to untie the knot. That's going to be the biggest issue. You just move on to something else until you realize that that's the pattern. Like it's just, it's good shit. So I, I think uh, psychedelics would be super important. That's a big part of the reason why I want this this compound, because we can create those spaces like. The way that space was created for me the first time I tripped, for that to be, I waited most of my life. I didn't do no party tripping at all. The way that space was set up for me with the people that I was around and the things that they had in play, the music, everything, it just introduced me to it in a different way. And I automatically understood the importance of preparing for it and respecting it and not just popping that shit and walking, you know, it's totally coming at it from a totally different place. So. Yeah, I think uh, I think we should have consistent access to it. You know, you should be able if you can go to the doctor and your elbow hurts and you can get some Percocet, you should be able to be like, yo, I need a microdosing regimen. It's like, all right, show up here, whatever. And, you know, the guy we were watching last night, he was saying that with all the studies that they did, the best results that they got was for people to be one day on, two days off the psilocybin. And they're taking super minute amounts you know, less than, you know, like four-tenths of a gram or something like that, he said. Four-tenths of a gram, one day on, two days off, it builds new neural pathways. No no bullshit, no woo-woo talk. It straight up unlocks growth in your brain to 
give you give you a better chance to deal with whatever it is you're dealing with. It just opens up new pathways for you where you've been working yourself into like a depressive thinking pattern. It just gives you new shit, a new way of looking at things, a nice little vibe. And it's not like enough to give you a full experience. You're not getting any visuals. You're not getting, you know, none of that. You just got a nice, like a light buzz in your chest. And you're just like, oh, maybe it's not so bad. <laughs> That's just what's happening. Four tenths of a gram and it's reversing people's depressive thought patterns. And one day off, two days on for a month gives you six to eight months of results before you need to get back on it. Not need to, but before people come back around and say, let me try it again. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And it's a freaking plant. It's a mushroom. It's a fungus. And probably better for your long-term health than SSRIs. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. But, you know, there's a reason all of this stuff gets moved because I think it's probably, I mean, without going into the nefarious conspiracy theory shit, it's probably just easier to mix a bunch of chemicals than to oversee the cultivation of mushrooms on a consistent basis where you're not like the supply chain ain't fucked up or we had a contamination this week. You know, shit like that. It's, it's a super delicate process because it's a fungus. Oh, and fun fungus is the easiest thing in the world to grow. And I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt here because I know they got facilities and, and they can do it. But it's probably at least a little bit easier to ah. just be like, bring me five gallons of RXPC and ten yeah. gallons of astronatazine, and we're gonna make some ketamine. Like you know, it's I, probably I, a lot easier. I feel like it's it really is a matter of philosophy and purpose, and that there really is a desire to not deal with the underlying problem. And not to get the root of what's making you sad, what's making you feel unfulfilled, right. what's what what really is the root cause. And it sounds like some Alex Jones conspiratorial, you know, whatever, whatever. But, you know, I mean, with all the drugs that are out there on the market, they all seem to to just I mean, basically, the science behind it is. Oh, you're feeling sad. We're going to block whatever receptor is making you feel sad. And we're just going to chemically inject some shit that's going to stop you from feeling sad. Well, you're sparing me from the fallout of the underlying cause, but you're not solving my problem. And as long as I take your drug, I'm not going to feel sad. But for the most part, my condition remains unchanged. So... I don't know. I, I, I definitely, I mean, and this used to be a universal opinion of all conscious people. The, the pharmaceutical companies don't have the wellness, the overall, in, in a holistic sense, the wellness in mind of the people that they're treating. You have this condition, I can give you this pill that'll make you feel like it's not there, but it, it's not really a long-term solution. Oh, you you know you have high blood pressure. I'll I'll make your I'll make your heart beat slower with this pill. I'm not gonna make you lose weight. I'm not gonna make you get healthier. I'm not gonna improve your cardiovascular health. I'm gonna give you a pill that removes the effects of the underlying condition. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's kind of like the 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 approach of all these pharmaceutical companies is there's something at the core that's fucked up. I'm not going to address at the core what's fucked up. 
I'm going to give you something that alleviates the effects of being fucked up. And one could even argue that the fucked up thing that comes out is nature's way of telling you, hey, you need to recalibrate a little bit. You need to make some adjustments. Right. That's amazing. It's here for us. It's right here for us. It's one of, uh, it's probably one of the most uh, important things that I've started interfacing with that, uh, that it it just gives you a a whole different strategy and mechanism to approach things. And once you, once you're inside the experience and you see these thought patterns and you understand these things about what seems to be just about the nature of existence itself, when you come out of it, it's hard to explain, especially to anybody who hasn't tripped or is not currently tripping. It's really hard to pin that shit down and explain what you went through. But the understanding echoes for a really long time. And I think that's what gives you that underlying, like, foundational new way to deal with things. Because it's happening even on a level that you can't articulate to yourself. But it's there. Emotionally, spiritually, you feel it. You feel it. It's almost like a level of comfort. Somebody explained something to you and you completely understood it and it, and it alleviated some stress on a really deep level. And when you come away, you can't repeat what they told you. You don't remember what the answer was, but you still get the benefit of having been told the answer. So it's uh, I don't know. That's the best way I could explain it. But the shit's powerful, man. This shit's powerful. And while we're here, I'll go ahead and say, so psilocybin is the chemical that reacts with us, right? Which is, we have pathways for already built into our shit. So we've been interfacing with psilocybin for a really long time. But psilocybin means bare or naked head from Greek. Like, psilos is bare or naked, and kybe or cybe is head. And what's crazy, so bare head. And they were what they called, uh, these were some light infantry units in, in the Greek armies, and they called them naked, silos, because they didn't give them any armor. They just had like a little toga and a, and a stick or, or a sling and something like that. So they were just the light skirmish guys that they sent out as fodder to begin with before the real armored important people came. But that's, uh, that's kind of interesting. That's kind of interesting. But barehead is, is a pretty cool thing. So for something that exposes you to that kind of download, you do feel like I've said a lot of times, it feels like you just opened a sunroof in your head and the light just shined right in and you just got it. And and that's interesting that it actually means bare head. I never looked it up before, but that's cool. Etymology, man, is the secrets. Is the secrets of all of this shit that we're looking looking into and talking about. Right, right. It is. It, it comes back every time I get a... I, and, and this is something I would suggest to people who who listen and they hear us go to this and and bring these things up if if you ever come across a word and it just starts nagging at you a little bit like sometimes it just stands out like what where does this shit come from and just look it up interface with it learn a little bit more about the inner workings of it what the original meaning was I mean, and words morph and everything o- over time and ultimately they're all just a bunch of random sounds that we decided to make with our mouths and give it intrinsic value so it is just a bunch of sounds but it's interesting to see how some of these things carry the ideas and the energy without people even realizing it yeah it's a cool thing to uh to keep in the back pocket whenever something stands out just just hop on it look up look up the uh look up the etymology and it, it gives you a deep, a deeper relationship with words. You, you're careful about what you say. I'm careful about calling people weirdos now. 
I don't call people weirdos no more. Not in a bad way. No, I do. <laughs> now I have to like uh, I have to correct myself because I kind of self-identify as a weirdo now. You know, I mean, weird having the power to control fate. That's powerful. How did that ever become something disparaging to call somebody? That's crazy. Well, I think it's I think it's commentary on how predictable most people are, and I think the non the the modern nomenclature would be NPC. Most people are NPCs. They don't have the power to control fate. They're not they're not really affecting the way things are. They're the product of the way things are, and they respond in predictable ways. One of my favorites is Vulgus. Like mm. when I wo- learned that one of the original. Uh, translations of the Bible was the Vulgate, yeah. and it derived from vulgus, meaning common. And then you hear people use the word vulgar, yeah. and you immediately give it a negative connotation. Oh, it's it's something evil, and it's ugly, and it's gross. And you realize the meaning of vulgus is common. Like, and then you see, like, you know, you hear the Ice Cube interlude. This is what they think about you. Like, it's really commentary from the elites of what they think about regular people. Like, common is a curse word. Like, Mm. being a common, regular person is ugly. And you know what that made me want to do? It made me want to say some profound intellectual shit all the time and follow it up with some fuck motherfucker shit as much as I possibly could. Like, I want to be associated with regular people. Right. Vulgarity. Right. <laughs> I love it. Dude, the the three fates, you know, the, the sisters, the women, yeah. you know, the women with that. They were called the weird sisters in old Germanic ah, books. I didn't know the that. Weird sisters because they could see the future and give people the the divine guidance that they were looking for. I can't use it in a negative connotation anymore. And even when I'm seeing something and it's just like off the top, I'm like, no, that guy's a weird. Well, yeah, he's strange. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to call him weird no more, dude. Yeah, it, etymology, considering etymology and learning about it will definitely change the way that you deal with language. Like, And still today, I mean, when, like, okay, strange. See, I like strange. Strange is from elsewhere, foreign, unknown, unfamiliar. That's what strange means. So I think strange would be more, uh, it would be more correct in most of the ways that we use weird now. Strange would be a better, a better replacement. I think. Yeah, I think that works better. I like strange. I'm going to keep working with that one. But yeah, I thought it, it changes the way you work with language. It changes the way you understand things. So it just gives you a whole new fractal on how you're processing information. Wearing my uh, cult leader shirt, bro. Every time, whenever I wear the I cult it. leader shirt, it's, it's people, Dude, their eyes, bro. <laughs> my wife wears her divine feminine shirt all the time. I love it. Mm. Mm, powerful, right? And I'm sure, I'm sure people interface with that in a specific way too. You right. know what I'm saying? They see these things, and that's one of the main reasons I didn't want to just be like all the time, like, oh, here's our logo, here's a cool thing. Like, I want it to be something thought provoking, something that you think in your own mind, and whether you like it or not, you've been engaged with and possibly improved somewhere on a cellular level because you interface with the words divine feminine somewhere throughout the course of your day. I like knowing that. I like knowing that people are going to look at me and see the flower of life on my shirt with abracadabra written around it. You got to deal with that now. Listen, <laughs> it's it's beautiful, and I almost feel guilty for having to drag you down into the mud. <laughs> I almost feel guilty. 
Because you know what I'm going to talk about. You know what I'm going to talk about. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. R.A. the Rugged Man. Uh, R.A. the Rugged Man guy. and Tim Pool. You're not that guy. Listen, um, and I've said this a couple times on the previous podcast. Um, we are a real thing. We haven't been quantified completely yet, but there is a thing for translucent people who have partaken in the nectar of black culture and become something wholly different. They, we don't become black, but we're not really accepted as being translucent anymore. And R.A. the Rugged Man got a lot of flack. A lot of people are criticizing him. He's so cringy. He's a wigger. He's blah, blah. R.A. is being authentically R.A. Yeah. Fact. He's 100% who he is, and it is a unfair criticism to throw aspersions at him that he's pretending to be somebody. Nope, that is who he is. Right. That is, that is who he I is. I would agree. That is absolutely who he is. And for all the people that are shitting on him, like he's a nobody and blah, blah, he's never got the mainstream. And I've always said this. I've always said this as a translucent hip hopper. We do not do cool very well. We do Mm. crazy. There is not a lot of cool translucent hip hoppers. When you are caught, when you are translucent and you try to be cool, it's a fail. The reality right. is, if if you're around, if you're in the culture enough, you pick up a little swag. You do get a little more style in the way that you do things, but you're still kind of corny. You're still just a little bit corny, and the the only way that you're really kind of in your pocket in a comfortable way is if you're crazy. And I will give examples. Um, I agree with Lord Jamar in his assessment of Eminem. Eminem is not somebody that's in the streets. I've, I've, I've been in the hood recently. I didn't like it. The older I get, the less, the less um, tolerance I have for the fuckery of going around there. But when you listen to what people are listening to, they're not listening to Eminem. They're listening to people who can barely speak English and is very incoherent and has got the same fucking beat on every song, but that's what's hot in the streets right now. People are not driving around in the hood listening to Eminem. If you are a hip-hop head, you appreciate the way that the man puts his syllables in there. But he's not cool. He's crazy. Right. Is right. that fair? Is, is that racist? No, if I'm racist, sense. tell me I'm racist. No, it makes perfect sense. You're absolutely right. I can't even argue. I had never really, you know, put the math together myself. But as soon as you said it, it was like, yep, that's it. You're right. You're absolutely right. And and the thing is, and, and that's okay. We we do not do cool well. Especially, again, it's going to be controversial. Semitic translucent people are the least cool people. We're literally the least cool people <laughs> on the face of the earth. They're coolish. No, they're not even <laughs> coolish. Ish, you know. The ish, the ish <laughs> is what a what a 
neurotic, legalistic response. What a non-committal bullshit response. I'm not a Jew. I'm Jewish. Pretending I'm just, to. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not gonna commit to it. I'm gonna maybe put it out there, but I'm not gonna listen, man. And I get listen. And I just want to be as honest as possible. Jewish people will give you shit if you fuck with black culture. Like mm-hmm. when I read the the autobiography of Malcolm X, I got so much shit from the Jewish people in my life. Like you know, he hated us. Why are you even going to indulge this? I just want to know his perspective. I just want to know where he's coming from. And at the end of the day, I made my own decision and assessment to say, you know what? That's a righteous dude. I'm not going to throw him in the garbage, even though there's a compulsion. Hey, you're one of us. You're supposed to hate him because he hates us. And that's the that's the essence of tribalism. That's what we have to transcend. That's what we have to move past. But there's definitely something I noticed in that, you know, we're... We're corny. We're the corniest of the corny. We just are. There's a reason why Kyle's cousin is like, Kyle, I don't know what we should do. Maybe. Like there's, there is all stereotypes are a, a little kind of true. And you know, we are kind of corny. Like, and I don't think we necessarily are. We're made the worse for. In a, like, my father was a person that, like, he wore FUBU to the day that he died. He was a 64-year-old man wearing some baggy-ass lugs and FUBU. That's amazing. Like, that's just, that's just the way that he was. And, and, and his father was in Liberty City, where he was the only Jewish person in an all-black neighborhood. And you know what? He, he, he did get shot and murdered, but, but, um... There is there is a benefit that you get from intermingling in culture. And I think that overall, like if there's one thing that Jewish culture lacks, it's um, and this could be kind we we don't have we don't like I saw an article was like Timothy Shalmet is a cool Jew. There are no cool Jews. <laughs> I would even go so far as to say there's no cool Caucasian Americans. Cool in America is black. It's black. That's it. If you're if you're cool at all, it's because you've assimilated a little bit. And the resentment comes in from this is our shit, and we have a lot of prison sentences, and we have to make a lot of bad for my future decisions to maintain this cool. And I resent the fact that you come in. And you want to have a little bit of it for your own when you don't necessarily have to dedicate yourself to this trajectory of failure. Like, that's really what it is. That's that's really at the heart of the resentment. So people look at R.A., the rugged man, and they say, well, you're white. You're translucent. Like, why are you assimilating? This is ridiculous. Why are you associating yourself with something that it's probably going to get you a criminal record and stifle your future. And I think R.A. the Rugged Man would say, uh, well, uh, because this for me, based on what I love and value, is authentic. He's he's not putting up a front. Because he got a lot of criticism for people like um, that I think that just didn't understand him. Like if you're a white dude in hip-hop, 
you got your swag because you genuinely hung around black people. Is it you didn't make it on your own? It's, it's just the reality. It could be hurtful. It could be race, uh, racist, or whatever. I, I'm gonna be try to as candid as I can possibly be. Um, you do crazy well. You don't do cool well. And if you have any cool, you borrowed it. It's just what it is. Yeah. And I apologize if that offends anybody. That's just my honest assessment. And if you tune into this show, one thing that you can one thing that you can bank on is we talk about what people are saying in private. The thing that I can say is the animus of this show is that we strive to be is authentic. Even if it hurts your feelings, even if it upsets you, even if it's not politically correct, you don't have to speculate what people are saying in private. We're going to say it in public for you. And we're going to try to do it as respectfully as possible. And yes, we may hurt some people's feelings when we're like, listen, transgender people are getting fucked up because they're pretending they have pussies when they were really were born with dicks. We don't condone it, but that's the reality of what's happening. We're just trying to tell it to you as authentically as possible. R.A. the Rugged Man is a dude who has his swag because he hung around black people. That's just the reality of it. And I've coined a phrase. And I'm going to put it on right here on the Cult of Dangerous Gentlemen. I'm calling it Chet. There's a Chad. Mm. You know, the online meme of Chad. (laughs) If you are a white dude and you have swag and you can pull bitches because you hung out with black dudes and and you assimilated some of this swag, you're a Chet. You're a Chet (laughs) like you're Chet Hanks. I like it. If you're the dude from White Boys... Who never hung out with white or black dudes, but you assimilated the energy from the television, then you're a Chauncey. Okay. Mm. There's Chets. Chets and Chaunceys. <laughs> and there's Chaunceys. The Chets R- and the R.A. the rugged man. And look, you're you're more than welcome to refute or undermine everything that I'm saying. I'm not saying it is a matter of, of dogma. I'm giving my opinion and I'm open to revising it. Because I'm not the end-all, be-all. I don't know everything. But I would venture to say that R.A. the Rugged Man is a Chet, not a Chauncey. He has been around black people. He's assimilated black culture. And when he got up to say, I'm not that guy, he really meant it. He really meant it. And for all the people that were defending Tim Pool, go back and listen to that interview. And and I would say... If you listen to Tim Pool, listen, I love, I'm, I'm going to say this unequivocally and, and definitively, Tim Pool is one of your best resources for objective information. There's a lot of Pravda and horseshit out in the media. Tim Pool is as fair as they come when it comes to parsing out what's going on. If he says something's up in the air, he will say it definitively. Look. This is what's come out. This is what we know. This is what we don't know. This is why it's irresponsible to conclude X, Y, or Z. He is one of the most reliable persons to be to, to be to be given the respect to say and the trust, you're gonna be a reasonable person that's not gonna give me spin. He absolutely has his own perspective, he absolutely has his own opinions. But when it comes to parsing out the information, 
He is way more authentic than Fox News, than MSNBC, than CNN. You have to give him his credit. He is a fair dude. But he is a fucking dick. When he talks to Ian, when he talks to... Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, guys. He's a fucking asshole that thinks his opinion is worth more than everybody else's. Yep, and true. What, what lets me know... That lets, and, and I'm talking as a translucent person that's been in hip-hop culture all my life, and subsequently, I have been punched in the face quite a few times. You can get punched in the fucking face. Tim Pool is not a dude that's been punched in the fucking face. <laughs> and when he was ta- if you go back and look three minutes before when R.A. stands up and says, I'm not that fucking guy, which he's gotten a lot of criticism for. I, I, I implore you, go back and listen to that three minutes. Tim Pool was a fucking dick. <laughs> he was. So R.A. repeatedly, and when he tries to say, look, I had Vice Lords and blah, 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 and the Trey Folk or whatever the fuck he was talking about in my house. Look, we all had people around us that were supposedly affiliated, but they're not really. They're not, they're not really. I'm in a gang, but you're not kidnapping. You're not making people strip at gunpoint. There's some wild shit going on it, but I... Tim Pool was not around that. He was around some people that said, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, I'm that. They wanted to borrow your house to fuck bitches in. That's not the same thing. And that's why R.A. was coming at him that way. Like, who are you really around? Because R.A. could sniff out and say, you're not really, you're, you're not as immersed in this milieu as you're trying to present yourself to be. I have been, and I kind of resent the fact that you're trying to pretend that you were. When you really weren't. Wait, and, okay, let me real quick, real quick. Real quick, okay, fair. I enough. wanna say that they were probably getting the same vibe off each other. That's how they both felt about the other person. Exactly what you just described. Tim Poole did, thought RA was a poser. You ain't real. You ain't really into I, you You're not that guy, dude. I'm not scared of you. He was showing him zero respect the whole time. And Tim and RA was probably like, bro, who do you think you are, bro? You ain't tough. Like they were both sniffing the same energy from each other. And it showed. But I think uh, Tim Poole was doing a lot more to, uh, he was just showing that he didn't respect him. RA flipped out, but I, I think we all knew he wasn't going to do anything. It didn't look very threatening. He he looked frustrated, but I think we all knew he wasn't going to do nothing. What exactly? Because I, I did see it, but I only saw the clip. Do you remember what topic they were on when it popped off? So, so this is where it is. And this is where I struggle as a translucent hip hopper that tries to be as authentic and honest as possible. I could relate to R.A. in you want to defend black genius. If you're a translucent hip-hopper, you've engaged in the idea that there is a universal brotherhood. And even if there's a lot of anti-translucent sentiment in hip-hop, you know that that's the proclamation, but not the practice. Because you've been around black dudes that hate white people as their official proclamation, but they're cool with you. (laughs) 
So you don't really hate white people. And you've been around black people that have had to do a lot of linguistic and intellectual gymnastics to justify why you aren't a piece of shit. Like, you're cool, but I still hate Whitey. And there's there's a measure of, like, authenticity and feathers in your cap if you hate white people sufficiently. Like, that's a thing in hip-hop. Like, if white people are too comfortable around you, that's a, that's a negative against you. You're supposed to be saying ideas or proclaiming things to where white people aren't comfortable. You're supposed to be a little Chuck D. If you're too much Puff Daddy and not enough Chuck D, you could be in danger of being called a Terry Crews. Like, there's that thing in hip-hop. And it's a weird kind of fucking balance because I've known black people who don't really fucking hate white people, but there's still a degree of... There's a degree of, like, authenticity and credibility if you project that sentiment. It's some weird shit. And R.A. is coming out of that ethos where, yes, he's a white dude, but he's trying to appease and be servile to that sentiment. And and that's a thing where... And I'm not going to lie. This is... I'm trying to be as authentic and and honest as possible. When I started getting confronted with some of these ideas, especially from black conservatives, and and especially from other black people that I know, like, dude, fucking stop making excuses for black people. You do have this tendency to want to be a white savior. Like, you're the ambassador for the black community. (laughs) Like, look, there's black genius. I know intelligent black men who are responsible, who take care of their kids. And I need to go out there and advocate because there's this negative sentiment against the black people that aren't doing that. So I have to go out there and say, hey, this exists. Stop just beating on the the black dick dick cloud energy like it ain't shit, right? So I understand where RA is coming from, but also it blinds you to some shit where you kind of start, and, and I especially notice this from the, the juicy perspective. Juicy people will hold their children accountable to standards that they would never hold towards black people. Right, ever. right. It's an ugly reality. You'll make excuses for black people and black criminality that you would never accept from your children because you want your children to be successful. And honestly, if I'm being a thousand percent honest, That was one of the realities that I had to confront that I had to start changing my thinking because I definitely was a bleeding heart liberal that would have would have sided with R.A. on a million and one things. And then I really had to start confronting the reality of like, how do my parents uh, or or my my aunts and my uncles treat my cousins like the same things that they would look at the black community and be like, well, that's no big deal. You would never accept from your children. And the reason you would never accept them from your children is because you want them to be fucking successful. You don't want them to fall victim to all the pitfalls. So then I can't look at that shit as merciful. I got to start looking at that shit as debilitating. 
Jewish people, it's going to be super controversial, but I can get away with it because I'm full Ashkenazi. (laughs) Jewish people will advocate for having standards for black, the black community that they would never have for their own children. And that's the shit that makes me think that this is more about you not getting some, some pushback in the, you know, the, the realm of, uh, you know, polite society, but it's not effectual. It's not effectual. If you love your brother and he's got diabetes you're not going to tell him to stop letting people fat shame him. You're going to say, right. bitch, get to the gym and get healthy. And this is some shit where we're allowed. Listen, I, you know I give away all the white secrets. Oh, yeah. You know Race... I give them all away. <laughs> Race traders. <laughs> Shout out Race traders. Listen, it is something, it's, it's, it's complicated, it's a lot to unpack and unravel and whatnot, but at the end of the day, you're there's something where you're assuaging your own guilt, and you're doing so by crippling the people that you claim to care about, because you don't want to say the truth about nope. You just got to do this to be successful. You allow there to be excuses. Well, no, you don't have to take care of your kids. You don't have to follow the law. You don't have to have an economic strategy to be successful. Everything is against you, so it's just unfair. You wouldn't tell your own kids that shit. Because you know at the end of the day, it's not going to result in them being prosperous and successful. But just so that you cannot be guilty, you would poison the minds of black people by saying that, which you know you're going to get a lot of hurrahs. It's not a brave thing to do. Because a lot of you're going to get a lot of cheers. Oh, thank you. You're on our side. You really care about us. The rest of these crack ass crackers don't care about us, but you care about us. So you get to feel like a good person, but you do nothing to help the underlying issues to give that person the blueprint to get the same wealth, success and prosperity that you're chiseling out for your child. So at some point, I got to look at that and say, this is self-serving. This is not you really giving a fuck. And I don't think R.A., the rugged man, understands that to the fullest degree. So his knee-jerk reaction is, don't blame black people. Don't blame black people for doing shit that now has been because of Dick Cloud energy associated with black people. And I understand and I empathize with that sentiment because I've absolutely been there. There's this knee-jerk reaction to jump up and be a white savior. Like, listen, you know, don't you know there was mass graves? Don't you know there was Jim Crow? Don't you know there was all these things stacked up against black people that hindered their growth and their ability? And that is for the most part true. But then it goes to the extreme and says, and that's why we don't need to hold anybody accountable. That's where it becomes destructive. That's when it becomes dishonest. That's when you're not being really an ally, because if you really loved your brother and you really gave a fuck about them exceeding and being successful, you wouldn't rob them of the tools of what's necessary to be successful. But there really is some parentalism and some some I mean, it really is some bigotry of low expectations type shit where you say you're black, so I can't hold you to the standard. 
even though I would hold my children to the standard because I know what's going to result in your success. And I know that that's the perspective that he's coming from. And I know it's well-intentioned and I know it's sincere, but he hasn't come to the, the place where he's recognized like it's kind of some white savior shit and it's destructive. It's not helpful. And Tim Pool is coming from from perspective of he's not he's not been around black culture. I don't give a fuck what he says. I don't give a fuck <laughs> about. I mean, I don't want to be an asshole, but I'm just trying to be as honest as possible. He does not know where R.A. the rugged man is coming from, and he's not been around black culture. There's some crossover with skater culture and black culture, but he just hasn't been immersed in black culture. So. He doesn't. He has no clue where R.A. the rugged man from is coming from. He has this autistic impulse where it's just the facts, ma'am, and he's base, basing it just on the facts. And to boot, he was kind of a dick to the dude. He really, if you go back and listen to that interview, Tim Pool can be an absolute dick. And listen, I've been punched in the face enough to understand that you could have the right opinion and the right perspective. But if you don't communicate it the right way, it's going to create a problem. And, and the fact that Tim Pool didn't see that he was going down that road lets me know that he, he really, really didn't understand. He really and truly didn't understand. He might have had some of the facts correct, but he went about it in the complete wrong way. And I'll take an unpopular opinion here. Yes, R.A. the Rugged Man wild out on some childish shit. But I don't, I, I don't think he was the wrong person in that interview. I don't think he was completely coming out of left field. I think he was completely being talked to like a dick, and he was being disrespected. And I understand yeah. him. And I feel like if Tim Pool did have any immersion in that culture that he's trying to identify with, he would have understood that I'm approaching this in the wrong way. Like, I'm basically asking this dude to punch, my, punch me in my fucking face. Am, am I completely out of left field? Am I a crazy person? If I am, you can tell me. No, I, like I said, I don't remember what topic because I didn't see a big lead up. I just saw a clip of them start, you know, of the argument start. So I'm not positive about the topic, but I did see in a couple clips that I saw, Tim Pool was talking pretty snazzy to son. Like he, he just wasn't respecting his gangster at all. At all, not even a little bit. And even at the moment of explosion, he looked like if you look if, if you watch it, it seems like Tim Pool made a decision to escalate. When he was like, because you see already get mad, he's like, "Yo, I'm not that guy, yo." And Tim Pool goes, "You know what? You are that guy." <laughs> like he he thought about it for you know what? You are that guy, dude. And and I don't I don't think he even when he started freaking out. He maintained a coolness like you ain't gonna do shit. You just gonna shake the chair, you gonna shake the table, but you ain't gonna do shit. He he called his bluff, and like I said, I don't think Ra was completely wrong. I mean, it's always it all it's always better if you can remain and keep your cool, in my opinion. Especially when you're just having a conversation, it's probably better to keep your cool. It looks cooler to just get up and walk out than to shake the table and, and yell. But Sun was playing him. He was kind of playing him a little bit. I, I definitely picked up on that. But I don't know. And and for me, Tim Pool is the guy who he puts like a chicken little multiplier on everything. So whenever he <laughs> tell like you say, he's accurate, but you have to filter that 
through the experience of Chicken Little. You know, he he is telling you what's really going on, but he's like, we're all dead. And you're like, well, I don't know if it's that bad, Tim. But but I get it. I get it. So that that was pretty hilarious, honestly. It was I got a, a, a good bit of amusement out of seeing R.A. the Rugged Man flip out on Tim Pool. It's just, I don't know, it's something about seeing these two guys in some almost physical conflict that just, it seemed like the algorithm needed that. I feel like the algorithm needed two white guys to be at each other's throats for a couple you, seconds. You, you know what? I'm going to jump out on a limb here. And of course, I, I don't speak for all black people. I suspect that in mass, black people don't give a fuck about a lot of this shit that white people are talking about. When white people are talking about black people, I really feel that it's more for their own... Everybody's dealing with their own feelings of guilt and trying to rationalize their own predicament in the context of what is just and what is right. And I feel like the conversation is more geared towards what do I need to do so that I can feel okay with this situation more so than what do we need to do to solve the problem? And, you know, and again, I'm not the end all be all. I don't know, but that's just always the impression that I get from it. Cause if you really look at it, it does become silly because R.A., the rugged man, he's a Chet. Again, for all intents and purposes, um, and I love the way Gavin McGinnis articulates it, when R.A. thinks there's a black dude in his his head, that's his voice about what's good and what's bad. <laughs> what's up, honey? Oh, shit. Come here, babe. I that know you want to get on here. She wanted to embarrass me all night. Come here. You can embarrass me. Come on. Now I'm going to take a shower. Well, you so sexy. You sexy bitch. All right. Um, but when he says, you know, R.A. thinks, and listen, I, I'm, I'm guilty of the same shit. This is why it does become, it becomes complicated because you know people are going to evaluate you and judge you based upon how you look. But you know what the voice in your head, you're Jiminy Cricket. R.A., the rugged man's Jiminy Cricket is black as fuck. It's black as fuck. Yeah. That talks yeah. in his head and says, hey, man, this and again, I'm, I'm only trying to be as honest as possible. I know one of my biggest barriers between coming to terms with, damn, Walter Williams and Thomas Sowell actually have some points was the black Jiminy Cricket in my head telling me, no, this is what's right. This is what's the most just perspective for you as a translucent person coming to any conclusions regarding the black community in America. And it's a problem that I think at the end of the day complicates things and keeps us from arriving at solutions because it demands this. It demands that whatever white person is wielding that knowledge has a completely different standard apply to black people than what he would apply to themselves and apply to his own children. And if you really, if you really buy into this hip hop shit, that there's a degree of universal brotherhood, then you have to accept that you shouldn't be doing that. You yeah. shouldn't be doing that because if you are doing that, 
one, you're doing some shit that um, is, is really counterproductive from the end goal that you want to meet. But also, it's, it's again, you, you, whether you realize it or not, you become the guy that's saying, don't fat shame the fat person. Why? Because you want them to die of diabetes? Like, there's a healthy balance of saying, of course this doesn't apply to everybody, but as long as we embrace that this is okay, it's going to be self-destructive. And the best way, and again, and, I, and I'm having this conversation for all of, because I'm sure if you listen to this podcast, you're probably a hip hop head. Yeah. This is this is fair to say that this is, we talk about a lot of shit, but it's really from the perspective of if you're a hip hop head. Right. Um, you're, you're being, whether you realize it or not, counterproductive and destructive to the black community if you can't tell a person with diabetes that they should ex- exercise more and eat sugar. Eat less sugar, rather. You know, and this is what we've kind of created because of white liberalism. We never want to look at the bad shit and just call it bad because somehow that's become racist. But really, it's universal. This shit would fuck up any group of people. If any group of people held these values or this approach to success, they would be fucking themselves up. So why is the righteous white impulse to say, um, no, we need to preserve this at all costs? Like, you're basically fighting to keep things in the black community that are destructive to be okay and to represent authentic blackness. You know, like, that shit is counterproductive. And I know that's the perspective that RA is coming from. And Tim Pool engages that, and he's thinking as a logical, autistic person, well, no, this is actually no. So I, I can't agree with you, but I'm going to be a dick in the way that I approach it. Am I making sense, or am I just a lunatic? No, I, I'm, I don't hear any lies detected. So that's, that's why I'm just letting you stay in this flow state right now, because I, this is important shit that needs to be processed. <laughs> it's real shit. I'm sorry. It just is. It just is. I ain't mad at all. Be- be- because, you know, it's, this is, and, I, and I've seen it in so many white liberals who have a, and again, it's sincere. It's a, I, I know it's sincere. It's a sincere empathy and concern for the people in America that suffer the most. And the people in America that suffer the most are, without a doubt, black people in these certain pockets of the country where a lot of this shit is embraced and okayed and there's excuses made for it and it's a fucking it's a horrific situation and that's also why somebody like R.A. the Rugged Man is chastised because it's like we don't feel like you've suffered enough to have that swag that's really what it is how dare you have my swag but you didn't see your nephew in a stroller shot. You didn't have to go through that. Like, you didn't have to go through the horrors of the milieu which produced this culture, but you're walking around as an ambassador with this swag. Like, right. I, I kind of get it, but at the same time, it's like... It's so like, it's, it's stolen valor. It, it's stolen valor, 
but at the same time, it is kind of sincere. Right, it right, is... yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Stolen Valor, is, there's no sincerity in it other than somewhere deep down inside it's based on a love and an attraction and a respect for the thing that you're pretending to be. But it does take a lot of... Uh, a lot of balls to go out and buy some fake shit and wear it and try to trick people. But at the root, <laughs> at the root, I think that's what people are processing it as stolen valor. Oh, and by the way, an already rugged man's Jiminy Cricket is Sean Price. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. <laughs> it's Sean <laughs> Price sitting on his shoulder, telling him to shake the table. It's <laughs> throw, throw the microphone to you a bitch. Yeah, flip this table, son. P. <laughs> Sean P. <laughs> for real, for real. But yeah, man, that's that's real shit. I, I see it a lot. We know what it is. We see that savior syndrome, soft bigotry of low expectations. All of it is at play. All of it is at play. It's like don't you don't you bother these downtrodden people who don't have IDs. <laughs> and these people who don't have cell phones or access to the internet. They're like, What? I, I'm on the internet right now. They, they they think these people are completely crippled and can't be held accountable for their actions, which, you know. And also, this is at the root of a lot of wild shit. Like, son, didn't son uh, in New York, what is he, the district attorney, the guy say that it's racist to charge felonies for armed robberies? What are we doing, bro? What are we doing? Armed robberies, no, uh, charging armed robbery as a felony is racist. Look. If you're a black man that's 65 or older, you need to have an idolater moment. Idolater! Idolater! Your soul is required in hell. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's, it's like all of these people who don't have to live in the horrors that, that black people are subjected to are, are going around and, and proclaiming, in like this zealous, prostatizing fashion that everything is fine and to go against it is fucking racist. Larry Elder's a racist. Walt Williams, Thomas Sowell, they're all racist. They're all Uncle Tom's. And they're all basically saying, you're fat, you need to exercise and eat better. And all of these people who aren't living in those conditions for the sake of their own conscience are coming along and saying... How dare you say such a thing? You're a fucking Uncle Tom and a racist. It's like, but wait a minute. And this is why I'll never condemn Farrakhan. I don't give a fuck. He could be a CIA agent. If he has black men that are in fucked up circumstances, taking care of their families and being righteous, he's doing more than the government and more than the critics. So even if he's totally full of shit, if he gets that result, if you can't get that result, you have to give him a modicum of respect. You have to, because we're talking about a problem where people are suffering and shit is fucked up and nobody knows what to do to correct it. Nobody knows what to do to correct it. And it's totally politicized and it's politicized in the direction that's more concerned with making white people feel better about their conscience than it is with actually correcting the conditions in that community. And that's the context in which we have to have this conversation where we can talk and because you say something that's fundamentally and objectively true, you can be called a Terry Crews. Right. Because, because you're, you're asking people to do the right thing. And it's, it's, it's it, uh, one person I heard that said it was beautifully articulated. It's cultural suicide. 
white liberals are promoting are promoting black cultural suicide. Wow. Well, mm. wow. Yeah, I don't know. That that it doesn't sound inaccurate. It doesn't sound inaccurate. There's way too much of this shit happening, and nobody, either nobody's noticing it, and the only people who are noticing it, they've already presented themselves as like a race baiting psychopaths. So you can't really take their <laughs> word for it. Like the only people who point that kind of shit out is Dr. Umar, but he says they're doing it because they're snakes in sheep's clothing that have no souls. So it's then it's like, oh, well, I can't really listen to this guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you got to find somebody who has some integrity and self respect in their ledger for you to listen to them break this same thing down so you can actually respect the process rather than just writing it off as the ravings of a madman so yeah. that's why this is important because uh, we can't we can't just have uh dr umar be the only person disseminating that information we got to do better we got if there's some good shit you can get from dr umar like out of context humor Personally, I think that's the best thing you can do is is a, is a uh, Twitter page called Out of Context Dr. Umar, and they just <laughs> they just clip random videos of him saying shit. That's the best way for you to absorb him. Don't actually try to like process it and listen to it. It's like just go to Out of Context Dr. Umar and scroll down the page and get your laugh on. That's all. Him and Charleston White. Charleston White is one of my favorite internet personalities right now because he's a nut job. And he says ridiculous <laughs> shit. Like I, I got is I'm gonna play this. I'm gonna have to find it and play it. But it's a video clip of him saying, uh, "My dream." He says, "My dream is to put a nigga in jail." <laughs> so he said, what? Yeah, just put people in jail. That's my dream. He said, "Some people get up on Friday. They go to the club." And you know they wanna they wanna meet a bunch of women. They pride themselves on that. Other dudes get dressed and go to the club. They wanna knock somebody out. Like they they love getting in fights and beating people up. And me, I love sending people to jail. <laughs> That's his passion in life. It's finding criminals, <laughs> doing crime, and calling the cops on them and sending them to jail and testify. Like nope, it was him. He was selling the crack, Your Honor. But he's not a snitch. He doesn't want to engage in criminal activity and then send other people to jail. He wants to, you know, represent for law-abiding citizens and just send people to jail because they're doing crimes. And I'm not all the way mad. Charleston I White, 52, has become a well-known controversial online figure after sharing brutally honest stories of his past on YouTube and social media. He came under fire due to his comments regarding George Floyd and the late rapper's DMX's death. Yeah. Yeah. Never heard of him. I'll yeah. check him out now. Oh, yeah. You got to watch some clips. You got you to gotta soak up some Charleston White. Son is hilarious, bro. And I mean, he's probably a little bit over the top because I think he's getting to the stage where he's understanding what controversy is and how it's going to get his views up and stuff like that. But for the most part, the, the baseline seems to be he's tired of destructive behaviors being uh, pawned off generationally as black culture. Yeah. He seems to be sick of it. The gang shit, the drugs, you know, babies getting shot by straight bullets and stuff like that. So a lot of, when they say controversial, I, I don't feel like that's co controversial at all. He's, he's using foul, he's using vulgar language, right? There's a lot of vulgar language. And 
he's he's talking to people who are engaged in these behaviors and telling them he's saying he's like you see this gang activity over here a six-year-old baby got shot in the drive-thru at mcdonald's them the niggas we gotta kill <laughs> the ones who did that we gotta kill them and i'm like i, I hey listen <laughs> I don't really have a lot to say about it I haven't heard him say a lot of things That I outright disagree with The way he says it is cringeworthy If you have compassion It might make your stomach hurt a little bit But I don't know where he's wrong Dude I'll say it and I'll shout it out A million times If you haven't read it The Uncivil War by Talib Starks If you have Any any reservations about where you should where you should be honest and come down on your outlook about any of these issues if you if you read that book and you read about all the stories that i mean you could youtube and find a lot of these stories where you have to really confront cuz all of that shit seems is cuz we've made it the the, the downfall the positive of hip hop is that it put consciousness in people's minds that would have otherwise not had consciousness from that perspective. The downside is it's made you numb to these stories about fucking babies being shot in strollers. Right. Like right. when you really have to confront and look at it and all of this shit that's been stylized and you know you've had Chauncey's really embracing it and it's just kind of i mean you could go anywhere in the corporate world and um you know i don't agree with everything that godfrey says but that shit that he says about all women copying black women he's absolutely 100% right right he's yeah. absolutely you could yeah. go into anywhere and some thugged out gang affiliated shit all of that lingo gets used in corporate america in a very haphazard, um, kind of casual way. And I don't know if that has a desensitizing effect, but I mean, it's definitely there. Its presence is undeniable. But if, if you have to confront that reality of what we see as style, like, I mean, with the, with the casual nature of like, What's the what's going to be the cinematography of the next Quentin Tarantino film? I mean, that's really what we're talking about. How are we going to stylistically present this shit? We've really sucked a lot from hip hop, but we don't really want to look at okay, what does that stylistic shit mean in reality about this fucking one year old in a stroller that's right. hitting a fucking stray stray bullet and. The Uncivil War is a book that really fucking makes you confront that shit. And it makes you think about it differently. Like, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, and I'll be the first person to say um, or to defend the genius of hip-hop. The absolute mathematical, poetical genius of presenting information in this really precise and melodic way. It's, it's an art that's of a genius masterclass caliber when you do it right. You can give a masterclass on Black Thought syllable placement without a fucking doubt. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But when you have to confront and say there's a fucking one-year-old in a stroller that's fucking dead 
over ego and nonsense and that's also a part of it it's it's hard to walk away and not to a little degree be slightly Dolores C. Tucker to just be a little bit so you can't read that book and walk away and say nope I'm cool with everything as is you're gonna drum up a little C. Dolores Tucker because it's like okay we can embrace the genius without the foolery and we don't have to put it all in the same bag and say the violence and the swag is just as important as the the genius nah we we can separate it. We can absolutely separate. We have we have to. We absolutely have to. There shouldn't. There's no reason why you should have to accept the the wild, clearly non no debate destruct destructive aspects of this thing that people consider culture. I don't even consider it culture. It's just something that they grafted onto it because there's no way if you have a culture that wants to uh, that has no outcry or major push to find and punish the people who are responsible for some of those behaviors, then it's, it's doomed anyway. Because if there's ever going to be a reason to say, all right, everybody needs to get together, figure out who this was and take care of it. Like if you, if you all, you and all your homeboys get, get arrested, they all go to jail, but you come home because you told everybody what the stats was. You told them Ray Ray was the run running everything. You, it's very likely somebody's going to kill you. Very likely. So if you can tell on drug dealers who are actually doing crimes and that makes you a social pariah, then what should you get if you miss your target in a drive-by and kill a child? Mm-hmm. Just nothing? That's just charge it to the game? Nah, that can't be it. I mean, if that's what you're basing this on, what are you even protecting? That, then we need the vultures. We need the vultures. Why? Why? Because vultures are the ones who clean up the landscape of dead, rotting flesh that's full of bacteria, and <laughs> that—that's what they do. If if there were no vultures, do you know what you know what you would be left with? All the roadkill and death yeah. that would be left to fester and contaminate the environment. You need vultures, and 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 if the vultures are eating it, it's contaminated. Mm. That's what they're eating. Are they eating anything that's beneficial? Are vultures swooping down in your backyard and killing your chickens? Nope. Right. Nope. But if your chicken dies, are gone. Yeah. No, yeah, if your chicken dies and is and is rancid laying on the side of the street, guess what? Here comes a vulture to the rescue. You need the vultures. If that's if they're feeding on your culture, the shit that they're feeding on was probably killing you. Yeah, and Proof. the and the, un, the unfair choice that we've been confronted with. Um, in hip hop is we have to defend all of it. Right. Yep. We have to defend all of it to be truly authentic, to be truly um, dedicated. And, and it's like, nah, if, if I'm being honest and I'm using my critical thinking, I have to separate the genius from the fuckery. And, and if you care about the prosperity and the progress of the culture, you should be on board with me. You shouldn't be calling me a fucking coon and a fucking sellout if I'm saying, hey, I want to preserve the genius and fucking cut away the fat. I, I don't want this to be in the same bucket. Like, I, the genius should be separated. The fuckery should be something different. But, but, but why is there this insistence that, nah, we have to, we have to accept it all together? 
even even if it's gonna put it, it it's almost like nah man uh your testicle is a hundred percent cancer you gotta take the tumor with the body no just get rid of the testicle I got but, another yeah, one they're afraid I live they're afraid to parse out the recipe because we don't know how closely relating the suffering is to the genius so if you start it's like it's like trying to cut out cancer. How deep can you cut before you start getting into some shit we need? How far has this cancer metastasized into the body of the culture? How deep is it? Like, can't we're at the point now where people question: Can you remove one and still be left with the other? You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's part of the reason that nobody wants to bother it. They might not even be thinking about it on that level consciously. But, you know, we, we understand how we get phenomenons. How do we get... There's no 50 cent without a terrible upbringing and being shot nine times. It doesn't happen. Best you get is a common sense. Right. <laughs> and not to say that's not valuable, but we're talking about... It's valuable and, for four albums. Right. After right. that, it's not really valuable. You see what I'm saying? We're yeah. talking about international phenomenon makes other people billions of dollars and you possibly tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions if you do a good deal. But that's what we're talking about. And for some and reason... Common Sense never sold as many records as 50 Cent. That's of course. Right of course. And, and you would think, right, it's the safety, it's the intelligence. They'd be like, oh, he's one of the good ones. No, that's not what they come here for. They come here for a roller coaster ride. They want to feel like they almost died after they listened to your album. When your album's done, they want to feel like they dodged bullets. Uh! <laughs> you you know what? Because I'm going through the catalog of my mind of the people that came to me and and told me how Get Rich or Die Trying was the greatest thing ever and wouldn't fucking give a fuck about resurrection. Right. Right. Bitches ask why my britches sag. I asked the bitches why your titties sagging. Yeah, no. They don't know about orange pineapple juice. Uh -huh. They don't no. know. My personal favorite is One Day It'll All Make Sense, but I understand. I, I get what you're saying, though. Fair enough. Fair, <laughs> I get fair enough. But can we agree that that, that Resurrection is like their low, his low-end theory? Oh, it, yeah, Res it, yeah, 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 yeah. Resurrection was his... That was his first album, I think, as the common sense we know now. For sure, for sure. You know, he was totally... He didn't have the high-pitched... In his yeah, voice in the he, was, he was figuring himself out. Resurrection is the calm we know. And I think by the time he got to one day, it'll all make sense. That shit had just settled. The wine had aged. It was just, a, it was yeah. like. The joint with Dayla is incredible. Getting yeah. live at the amphitheater, I think. The whole thing. The whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. That was my summer joint. So I would I would leave the house with the headphones on. And as I stepped out of out of the house, it was real nigga quotes I wrote. Got some shit yeah. on the front. Legendary like the goat. Who got gay? Like that whole album was just, I don't know. It was it was the soundtrack of me walking around for that whole summer. So that joint is powerful. But yeah, you don't get that. You don't get that. That's never the world class for not Black Thought is the greatest example we have, honestly, of somebody who's super lyrical, super intellectual, high end. I mean, like, his technical, like, he's just next-level alien shit. For sure. You know what I'm saying? So it's almost not even fair to use him. It's alien shit. But he's, that's why he's so successful. That's Usain Bolt-level, like, just once-in-a-lifetime yep. talent, skill, delivery, work ethic. Like, there's people, there's probably people in the world who had pieces of that puzzle, and he just had every part. 
every part of what it takes to be the absolute best at something. He had it all. If he had a different gene, he, it would have been Michael Jordan instead of a rapper. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's that level of good at what he does. He's one of those phenoms, bro. So, so using him as a metric is almost not fair. You'd have to really start to look for other rappers that were smart. Like, even, even KRS-One, you could say. He's been super successful with it. But those, those things are few and far between. But, there's a, but there's even a, KRS-One, on his best day, has never been as precise and no, as no, in no. the pocket no. as Black Thought. When you have Silly Concoction and both Silly and Toxin <laughs> yeah, oh, as please. your landing spots. Please, please. He's, yeah, he's an alien, for uh, sure. Bro, that 10-minute freestyle that he did on, on Funkmaster Flex. Oh, fuck, fuck it. Yeah. Bro, I, I, I sweat when I watch it. Because <laughs> it's like to, to witness a human doing something at that high level so good it's, it's nobody's ever to me in my opinion i don't think anybody's ever going to be better than that i think there's going to be people who try to be better than that that's going to set a bar that people aim for and because you're aiming for it you can't touch it that's one of those things the fact that you have to focus on it and try to become it that means you're not going to be it you have to be in your own flow state doing exactly what you were put on this planet to do to to even approach that level of mastery, that shit is is it's alien, bro. And, and it's makes alien. it seem effortless. And when you hear people, because you remember, and even still, I hear people. I just saw um my lady bought the Venom, uh, the new Venom movie, which I loved. I think Venom is one of the best yeah. um yeah uh, Marvel properties they have. But apparently, they don't they don't dig it as much as the other characters. But a lot of the soundtrack at the ending was. Um, hip hop shit, and you hear people rhyming in that '90s style of super lyrical, scientifical, metaphysical, blah, 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 and it's just not the same. And, right. and 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 what people thought, and I saw this a lot coming up, is you think it's just saying some clever shit. You think no. it's just the punchline. No. And, and yeah, punchlines matter, but you don't understand why it's masterful. Until you hear a punchline from Black Thought, because then you see it's not just the punchline. Yeah, that's your landing spot. That's where you're landing as you jump to your next ledge to cling on to. But you didn't appreciate or understand the precision with which he laid in every syllable to get to that punchline. Right. That's what makes it masterful. Yep. And that's when you got a lot of these corny dudes that were like known as a nerd rap. You know, yep. and they had the punchline and they had the place to land, but they didn't understand why this shit wasn't cool because they didn't understand. Like, there's a whole bunch of math before that punchline that you're not landing on. You're not yeah. landing on. You're not delivering as cool. It's not as effortless. The fact that he makes it sound easy is why it's so good. Yeah. And it's like it's like you watch like they understand why it's attractive. You listen to Black Thought and it's clear that he's one of the best that you're ever going to hear. Super clear. You get it. But if you try to take that image or take that experience that you had and use it to your own advantage, you're going to be missing elements. Like you could watch a welder, like a lifetime top shelf welder do some shit and you'd be like, oh, I can weld. I'll just go buy me a heat gun and I'll right. go get the little thing. I can, I can yeah. weld, but you'll <laughs> always be able to point out the, the lifetime welder's weld and the amateur's welder. And, and the amateur thinks he's doing a great job. Like, yeah, the pieces stuck together. You did what you were supposed to do. 
But it's, look at that bead, bro. Look at his line. Do you see right. that? Like it's, <laughs> it's a totally different thing. Like, no, you, you accomplished the overall goal. But right. there's there's a finesse that comes with with experience and to some degree just being resonating in your calling if you believe in that kind of shit. Like I just feel like it's something it's something special happening with that. We're we're fucking lucky to witness it. That's for sure. For sure. For sure. Absolutely, man. But I'm gonna grab me some food. I went out to my homie's farm today and Beautiful. she hooked us up with a bunch of bread and and a bunch of treats and goodies and shit, and I'm ready to dive into it and put myself in a fucking carb coma for a little while <laughs> and, and watch an episode of some shit that I'm probably going to forget before the night's over and uh, just enjoy the rest of this evening, man. Drink some As you should. You deserve it. <laughs> as we all do. As we all do. We've been doing a lot of world saving as we reiterated for the first quarter of this episode, just in case y'all forgot. We've been doing a lot of world saving, and this is uh, this is some serious, dirty work. So, yes, every now and then you got to sit back, put your feet up, and and treat yourself to something, even if it's a drink made with turpentine. You got to just take it down and and see where the night takes you. My brother, may your crypto be plentiful and your daily uneventful. May yeah. you just have peace, and may it be at ease, and may you have a prosperous day. And it's and it's always a pleasure. You're doing the Lord's work. You're doing the Lord's work. Absolutely. We definitely are. It's just compound abundance vibes to everybody listening. I hope your coffers are overflowing before the end of third quarter. Absolutely. Yeah, brother. I will talk to you soon. Enjoy the rest of the evening, man. As as should you, sir. As should you. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your commitment and dedication and your willingness to this work. Um, I, I can't wait to see... Uh, the harvest. It's, it's manifesting every day, brother. Dola. Dola! <laughs> I'll holler at you, man. Peace, brother. Peace.